0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We
1: are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Steve Burgess. He is one of the world's leading hypnotherapists and past life regression specialists. He has completed thousands of past life regression sessions, helping his clients with a wide range of issues, including phobias, anxieties, depression, addiction, physical illness, and performance anxiety. His work involves using hypnosis to regress people back to the emotional root cause of their problems, and today he is with us to talk about his new book, The Power of Past Life Regression, and we're super excited to have this conversation with Steve today. Nice to meet you. And you. You are
0: (laughs) eating dinner, and we are drinking coffee, right? (laughs) Because what time is it there?
2: Uh, It's just after. five o'clock in the evening, so uh, dinner time, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. water for me and uh, coffee for you chaps, yeah, standard.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> You want to know what's bad is that I, I drink coffee at 5 o'clock at night too.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. If I have a cup of coffee at 7 o'clock in the morning, I struggle to get to sleep that night. So, wow. My, my body is very sensitive, you see. I'm a very sensitive person.
0: <laughs> well, so am I. <laughs> Many, many years ago when I got sober and got into recovery, I was like, you know what? Alcohol is no longer my niche. And in AA, it's almost like you have to drink coffee.
2: <laughs> so here I and know. you're American as well. It goes with this territory. I've been living and working in Norway for about 10 years as well until last year. So uh, the Norwegians are obsessed with coffee, just like the Americans, a similar sort of thing. I saw a chap years ago. He came with a sleep problem. He, he was he was lucky to sleep two hours a night. If he could get two hours sleep a night, that was that was a good night's sleep. And he was a, a garage. He was a motor mechanic. He ran his own company. He didn't do any work in the cars. He was overseeing the jobs and seeing customers come in and seeing the cars go out every day. I said, "Well, do you uh, do you drink very much coffee or tea?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, 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 yeah." I said. Go on. He said, Well, I love fresh coffee. He said, And I have a big granddad mug, and that mug never leaves my hand from when I get into work to when I leave. And he said, I'm topping it up all day long. Do you know, ladies, we worked out he was drinking 33 cups of coffee a day. No wonder he couldn't sleep. I mean, nobody could sleep with that amount of caffeine inside. You're,
0: like, you're the easiest client I've ever had. Yeah. Um, yeah goodbye. Th- Thank that you. Was that was the was therapy. $50. Yeah.
2: He paid me all this money to tell him to drink less coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We still were all like, as easy as that. <laughs> he
1: paid you some money for
2: that? Yeah. To charge him for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> ka-ching. <laughs> I mean, he probably would have been an addict of some sort, I would think, in a past life. But uh, I tell lots of clients about the dangers of caffeine, especially clients with anxiety and high blood pressure. It's, yeah. it's so bad for them. And, and I mean, I have some people who tell me that the, their cup of coffee is the most important thing in their life. And I tend to say, well, you should get out more and get a life. <laughs>
1: for sure. Well, this is not one cup. You know, this large thing is at least probably, you know, almost two. Yeah. And so... Yeah. I probably have two of those a day and I still can go to sleep, but I, I feel like I'm a person who doesn't require a whole lot of sleep.
2: Okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And some people are like that. It's yeah. uh, having said that it's it may be that you're on overdrive a lot of the time and that can be a reason, but as long as you get your time to relax yeah. during the day, then that's okay.
1: And I have to say uh, I enjoy meditating and so yes. meditation. In the, and I even think that sometimes while I am, about to meditate if I'm not ready for sleep. I'm like, doesn't this count as sleep in some way? Because my mm-hmm. mind is quiet. So you're in between, say, brainwave, if you can get that deep.
2: Yes. Yeah. You know, a good deep meditation is a trance state. It's a hypnotic state. And we say that 20 minutes trance is often the deep trance is the equivalent of two hours sleep. Right. So, you know, you yeah, definitely, if you're, if you're going into good deep meditative states then your body is shutting down relaxing in that way it's the equivalent of sleep you'll need less sleep if you do that that's really excellent
1: yeah maybe that's why as i was researching you and reading your stuff on your website i had a memory of when i was a child my very first cabbage pouch kid and i'm gonna have to tell you do you know what a cabbage pouch kid is
2: Yeah, yeah yeah there's dolls yeah yeah
1: yeah so I was a spoiled child when I was little, and when they first came out, they were hard to get. And my dad went to great lengths. He was a salesman, a traveling salesman, and he went to great lengths to find me one. And it was a preemie, and it was a boy. And so that wouldn't have been my my dream Cabbage Patch. Of course, I would have wanted a girl that looked just like me, but I got a preemie little bald baby with like. You know, four hairs at the top of its plastic <laughs> head, and its name was Ernie Burgess.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
2: so do it I remind is. you of your? Do I remind you of your cabbage pastel? Then?
1: <laughs> you have <No>. more. <laughs> <laughs> you have more hair than my
2: cabbage
1: yeah. <laughs> pastel. Do you have a signature on your butt? <laughs> that's how you know
2: if it's real or not okay is that the way you tell okay oh I better not tell you may I may. <laughs> would you like me to show you <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was the first like memory thing that popped up and then I'm reading your stuff on your website which is very informational and you do so many things it's such an honor to talk to you but I had like one of those like deja vus Okay. it was especially when I got to the name of your website, Lionheart, for some reason I'm reading it and all of a sudden I have like this feeling inside of me. It's almost like that space where you're like, wait, did I forget something? Wait, did I did I already know this? That happens. You know, many people talk about this, these deja vus. What is that deja vu? And do you think that they are related sometimes to past lives?
2: That's a very good question. I think deja vu can be several things. On a very simple level, it can just be that our conscious mind is working very quickly. And it's almost like the conscious mind gets something before we're aware that it's got it. So I think that can be one thing. But from a past life perspective, certainly a sense of deja vu, a sense of knowing somebody before you realize that you have the first time you've met them. These can certainly come from past lives. It may be that some sort of experience that you're having will trigger a past life memory subconsciously without you realising that it's taking place. So, you know, like the lion heart, that triggered something which triggered a sense of knowing, um, whatever that knowing was. So there's a chance that that triggering has created some form of past life connection. Just to answer your question, definitely deja vu can sometimes connect to past lives.
0: What is Lionheart mean to you and why did you choose that for your website name?
2: Okay. Well, it's my it's my training organization name. And there are two reasons primarily. One is, I believe, as therapists, we have to be lion-hearted. We have to, day after day, listen to our clients' stuff, their stories, some of their stories which are so horrendous, they're beyond beyond belief. You, you, at times, I wonder as as a therapist how my client has even managed to survive in life with the amount of emotional baggage that, we, that they're carrying. And that isn't fun listening to people's uh, traumas day after day. So I believe, as therapists, we have to be lion-hearted. We have to keep coming back day after day and doing the job because we're there for our clients. The second reason um, Lionheart came up was because um, I've done uh, some shamanic training some years ago, and the shamanic training was from a Native American uh, perspective. Um, And although I know Native Americans now actually don't, do power animals, uh, but in the shamanic training, we played with power animals, and my power animal was a lioness. Uh, We did this dream journey, and this lioness kept coming to me three times in this journey, and uh, I asked her, are you my power animal? She said, yes. So I then that sort of filtered nicely into the the lion-hearted stuff. But then something else weird happened <laughs> and this was maybe i mean i've been doing the job now 29 years and maybe 15 years ago i was running a past life therapy training course for therapists because i trained therapists all over the place around the uk norway etc i was hoping to be in the us training therapist last year but of course we weren't allowed in um and i was running a past life training course and Two of the when the therapists were pairing off with each other, regressing each other into past lives. One of them afterwards told me he said, "I went into a past life in which I was a crusader knight." This was at the time of the, the it, when the English went into the Holy Lands um, to try to p- protect Jerusalem from the uh, from Islamists. Um, And he said, I was fighting as a crusader. I died in the sands in a battle, but I was fighting with Richard the Lionheart. He was the king, Richard the Lionheart. He said, that was you, Burgess. I know that that was you. So I said, well, I don't know about that, because if you start getting your ego in the in, in the way in this job, it gets to be a nuisance. So I said, I, I, I have no um, thoughts about that. But it just sort of did fit in. I mean, okay, it may have been that he had a past life in the Holy Lands as a crusader, and he was on a Lionheart training therapy training course. So he may have just subconsciously put the two together. Or it may have been that I was one of the most famous English kings in history. Who knows? <laughs>
0: Uh, who knows (laughs) well and you know all those synchronicities uh it's it's undeniable that that was what was meant to be the name of your website i love it Mm.
2: yeah yeah i'd also like
1: to point out that you know just the demeanor of a lion you know that patience Mm. and the focus that you have to have as a hypnotherapist
2: yes yeah.
1: I feel like that approach is very similar in that energy.
2: That's a really astute comment, actually. Uh, it really is a very astute comment because we are, especially as regression therapists, because in regression, when a client is in a, in a regression experience, whether it's in this life or a past life or an ancestor's life, we have to hold the space for the client. We don't get in the way. We don't over talk. We have to be patient and allow the subconscious to do the work that it's meant to be doing. So we trust the subconscious. So there is that, as you say, very patient, strong energy being there for the client and just holding the space. So that's a really good comment, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how would you describe the subconscious?
2: Well, the the standard model of the subconscious, and this is the Freudian model, is that the mind is like an iceberg. So the tip of the iceberg above the waves is the conscious thinking mind. That's actually about 1% of our mind. But the bulk of the iceberg below the waves is the subconscious mind, and that's a 99.99% of the mind. And the subconscious is uh, the seat of our emotions, it's the seat of our imagination, the seat of our creativity, the seat of our intuition. It contains all the memories that go way, way back. And its power is quite awesome. I mean, just in terms of the difference between our conscious and subconscious minds. I mean, you know, as human beings, we achieve so much just using our conscious minds on a day-to-day basis. But there was some research done a few, uh, about a decade or so ago by some brain researchers. I don't know how they came up with these figures, but they said that every second our conscious mind takes on board 50 50 pieces of information a second, 50 bits of information a second. The subconscious takes on board 11 million bits of information a second. So that's the difference, 50 to 11 million. That's why the iceberg, the bulk of the iceberg is so big under the waves. And this is one reason why hypnotherapy is so powerful because we're working with the engine room of the mind. Having said that, having having done this job for so long um, and experienced so many amazing experiences over the years with my clients, I actually believe now that we all have a higher self. And my belief, and this is only a belief based on experience, but my belief is that the subconscious mind either is our higher self or is intimately connected to the higher self. And what this means, as a, especially as a regression therapist, what I'm aiming to do is to allow the client subconscious with its wisdom to heal the client, to do the work. It guides us where we need to go. And if we allow the subconscious to do the work, then it will, it will heal in the most incredible ways. And there are times, I mean, okay, I used to say I'm sitting with a client in a session. Now now it's all online, of course. I mean, I've got clients in 16 countries around the world. It's quite remarkable. We do it online really well. But if people could sit and watch what happens in my sessions day after day, they would be blown away by this extraordinary wisdom and the power that the subconscious has. It just knows what to do, and it's extraordinary.
0: So fascinating. The subconscious is just so incredibly fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And you use a technique called IMR.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah. Well, What the IMR stands for is an idiomotor response, and it's a motor-neuron response that when my client goes into trance, so basically, like if I can explain maybe a therapy session, My client comes for a session with a problem, an issue that they need help with. And that can be almost any issue. It can be a phobia, it can be depression, it can be a lack of confidence, it can be an addiction, it can be a sexual problem, it can be um, overeating, it can be a physical problem, it can be pain, whatever, whatever, whatever. And the regression model is that all of our problems, all of our issues, come from locked-in feelings and emotions from past traumas. So what that means is that in regression, we're normally aiming to go back into the traumas that have caused the problem that are held in the subconscious. And if we're able to do that, then we can release the trauma, we can release the energy, the emotion, whether the emotion is anger or sadness or fear or anxiety or guilt. And when that emotion goes, the problem gets better. So what I do is uh, I've asked quite a lot of questions of the client, but once they go into trance, I ask the subconscious to take control of a finger, maybe, or, or a thumb on one of the hands. And I get the client's subconscious to create a feeling of weightlessness in the finger. So it just sort of floats up or moves all by itself. And what I'm then saying to the subconscious is, whenever you want to say yes to any of my questions, that finger can just raise all by itself. And if the subconscious wants to say no, the finger just stays still in a stationary position. And then what I'm doing, then I'm asking the subconscious, where do we need to work? Now, my client, bear in mind, is laid there in trance with her eyes closed. Quite, we in English, we say gobsmacked this finger starts to move all by itself and they're thinking, what's going on here? (laughs) I'm not doing that. That's really weird. Um, So I say, okay, an upward movement of the finger is yes and a still finger is no. So I'm now going to ask your subconscious, whereabouts in the past have the traumas or significant emotional events taken place, which are connected to causing the the problem that you've come with, the phobia, the lack of confidence, the depression, et cetera. And my first question then is to say, have there, been, have there been any traumas in this present lifetime? And if we get a yes, then I tend to find out whereabouts in this life. Is it in your adult life? Is it your adolescence, your childhood? Is it birth trauma? Because obviously in regression, we often take people back to relive the time of the birth and do rebirthing to, relive, to release birth trauma. Is it the time in your mother's womb? Has there been some trauma in the womb? I had one client years ago who was massively anxious in his life. And in trance, in the session, he went back into his mother's womb and re-experienced his father trying to abort him by punching his mother in the stomach. And he's this little baby terrified in the womb. Oh. He was rolling about in the chair and crying and shaking and shouting. Um, so that's where the root of his anxieties came from. He thought he was going to die. So my first question is, is, there anything in this life? The next question is, are there any past life causes? Have there been any traumas, any of your previous lives causing the the phobia, the depression, etc. And if I get a yes, I then ask how many past lives. I count until the finger moves. It might be three past lives. It might be one. It might be seven. The most I've ever had was 33 past lives for one client, uh, but that's incredibly unusual. I also then ask, are there any ancestral traumas? Because we can inherit ancestors' traumas as well. So that's the IMR. That gives me the guidance of where we need to go. Because I don't know when a client comes in where the problem has come from. Well, I usually don't. I mean, okay, quite sometimes it's obvious, but because the client will say when I've had this problem since I was seven and when I was seven, my parents separated or my father died or whatever. And then we know that's probably the root of the problem. Although even then, having said that, there's almost certainly some past life stuff under the surface anyway because so often we have trauma in this life and it connects back into previous lifetimes. But that's the IML it is. It just gives me the insight and it lets the subconscious guide us where we need to go. I get out of the way and let the subconscious do the work.
1: And you explained it so well. Your voice is very hypnotizing. I was sitting here going <laughs> mesmerized. I, I really love the English yes. accent as well. I really do. When I, listen to meditations i often seek the english accent for some reason
2: well you do know i have a free youtube channel with free hypnotherapy recordings on
1: i do and a podcast and i love it yeah Mm
2: -hmm. yeah so i often say to people if you get some free hypnotherapy go on my youtube channel and listen to some of my free recordings I well, what you're trying to say definitely. there is, I'm boring. It's just a nice way of saying I'm boring. I know that. Oh, I no,
1: I could listen to your voice all day. I really couldn't, <laughs> especially on this topic. This is a topic that Mandy and I love. You know, I've had my own experiences with past lives. And something that you said just kind of um, triggered one of them. How often are our ancestors within our past lives? How often do you find that to be true?
2: Not very often. It's actually unusual to be reborn in the same family line. It does happen, but it is unusual. So as a general rule, life after life, we're in different family lines. We're often in the same clusters of souls around the same souls or same people lifetime after lifetime. Uh, That's so often the case. But it isn't often the case that we get reborn in the same family line. It does occasionally happen, but not very often.
1: So just to give you a quick background on mine, I had went through this very deep ancestral journey and I had done around the same time, a past life regression. In that regression, I was on a plantation. I saw some people that were familiar who are not related to me, who are friends and stuff like that. One in particular, he was this guy and he was my brother in the regression. Well, our parents died on the same day. My my dad, his mother in this life. Uh, Then I go on to find out like two, three years later, he's actually in my ancestry. We're related under a plantation runner.
2: Okay. Very good. Isn't that crazy? Spooky, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was amazing. Lots of synchronicities there. And so I have found that with both of them, they were very healing because the regression gave me a vision And an experience of what then I was learning in my ancestry and I was like, oh, I've been there. Oh, I know this. Oh, I experienced that. And so it's very interesting how they played off of each other and it just helped really in the healing process.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and one aspect of uh, regression is the uh, getting a learning, getting an understanding from the past that makes sense of where you are now in your life. And that's another aspect of the, of the healing of regression. It, most of it is about releasing trauma, but often we just get a sense, you know, it's like, oh, so that's why my mother's always been difficult with me. That's why I've always had that difficult relationship because in the past life I killed her. <laughs> oh that makes sense no wonder <laughs> she'd never yeah. loved me. no um, wonder why
1: i have a pain in the neck i was wrong yeah. but really those kind of things do kind of pass down people have phobias in this life that mm. many times they can connect with past lives is that right
2: Oh, very much so. My estimation, I mean, bear in mind, I've done over 15,000 therapy sessions. So I'm, I'm talking from experience here. I'm not sort of making these things up. But my estimation is that about 60% of phobias come from past lives. That means, okay, there may be stuff in this lifetime, you know, but 60% is past life. And, and let me give you an example. So I had a lady who came, I'll give you two examples about how this works. So a lady came with a dog phobia. And she was terrified of dogs. I mean, she really was. She was almost agrophobic. She almost couldn't go out of the house in case she saw a dog. And if she went anywhere, she had to have three or four people around her in case there was a dog nearby. And then she just, sometimes she would just run home screaming. It was a really severe phobia. And I always say with any problem, there are degrees of the problem from light, medium, and severe. Well, hers was severe. And I said, Well, how long have you had the problem for? And she said, Well, all my life. But she wanted it dealing with because she was about to come over to the States for a holiday to live with a to, to a daughter who lived in the States. And her daughter had a dog. And she said, I went there last year and they had to put the dog in kennels for three weeks. And she said, that's not fair on my family, on the daughter's family. It's not fair on the dog said, so has anything caused this? Nothing, she said. I always remember I've been terrified of dogs, even as a child. So I took her into trance, and her subconscious indicated that when she was a child, something had happened. So I guided her back, and then the next thing, in the chair with her eyelids closed, she started to relive a memory of when she was about two years old, and mommy was taking her for a, to, the, to the park. And mommy put her in a buggy, you know, one of these little push chairs, strapped her in so she couldn't fall out, wheeled her to the park. And mommy then left this little two-year-old girl, parked up looking at the ducks on the duck pond. And mommy went to talk to a friend. And at this stage, my client was very happy. She was very calm in the chair, very relaxed, just talking to me with her eyelids closed about what she's seeing. I can see the ducks. It's a nice sunny day. And then all of a sudden she became very tense, her whole body tensed up and she started to pull her head away from something as if something was coming close to her. She's pulling away and away and she started to cry. And the next thing and I said, what's happening? She said, there's a dog, there's a dog, it's a dog, it's sniffing me, it's sniffing me. And she swiped out with a hand and she was remembering hitting the dog. The next thing she was crying and screaming and sobbing, the dog had bitten her on the face. And, of course, she was stuck. She was trapped. She couldn't get out. Mommy had tra- strapped her in. So I let her release the emotion, release the sadness, and she came out of trance. And then she, she said, I, I do remember that memory now. I've never remembered it in the, ever until now. That, I remember it happening now, it, what we call a repressed memory. So we released the emotion, came out of trance. How do you feel about dogs now? Okay, she said, yeah, fine. I'm okay. I'm not scared of them. Okay, well, let's see how you are when you go on holiday. About three months later, there's a knock on my office door, and this lady is standing there with photographs of her herself on the holiday, sitting in the back of a car with her arm around this dirty, That's great awesome. big dog. Oh.
1: Well, she wasn't locked in the stroller anymore, you know? No, it it, it was
2: partly about being strapped in. She was trapped. But that's of this life. But I had another uh, lady who called me. She said, my son has got a needle phobia and he's 16. He needs to have some important dental work. But He's terrified. And every time, we, she said last week, we, we took him to the dentist. He actually, as the dentist is coming towards him with a needle to, to inject him, he started to scream and fight and punch. He actually punched the dentist and kicked the nurse. He was that terrified. So they threw him out. They won't treat him. And they said, unless he gets his phobia sorted out, they're not prepared to treat him. He needs this dental work doing. Can you help? I said, don't know, but please let him come. Well, the lad came, he was 16, and he sat opposite me. I said, so tell me about this phobia of needles. He said, well, do you know, I don't think it's about needles, he said. I have a phobia of anybody touching my neck or touching their own neck. He said, the thought of anybody touching my neck, he said, I just flip out. I can't even wear a, a, a tight shirt around my neck. I absolutely flip out. And he said, I also have a thing about my wrists being touched. So I was sitting maybe eight feet away from him. And I said, so if I just do this towards my neck with my hand, how does that make you feel? And I held my hand close to my neck and he said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do it. I feel very tense. I said, so I, and then I said, well, if I put my hand up, he said, no, don't do that, please. He then got very, very angry. Do not do that, please. That really gets to me. But all I was doing was holding my hand near my neck. I said, okay, I can see this is a very strong phobia. And of course, what it was, it wasn't about the needle. It was when they brought the needle towards him, he thought that it was as if they're going to touch his neck. So he, he had the massive panics. I guided him into trance and his subconscious, using the ediomotor response, said there were two past lives causing this fear, this phobia, and they were both deaths. Now, most past life therapy is death therapy. I'm sorry to say I have clients dying on screen day after day in my life. Uh, most therapy, past life therapy is releasing death trauma. In one of the past lives, he was a young woman, and bear in mind we often change sex from life to life. In one of the past lives, he was a young woman who was made to kill herself. We couldn't work out why, but she had a throat cut. She actually had to slit her own throat. She died in front of a group of people. In the second past life, he was a young man who was executed by being beheaded, but he was looking up at the axe as it came down and chopped his head off. And you can imagine he was terrified while these deaths came through in the in the session but he released the fear it wasn't fun and this isn't often fun therapy but it released the fear so I guided him out of trance and he was pretty shocked as you imagine he you know he hadn't expected this so I said well how do you feel now if I touch my neck and he looked at me and I just touched my neck and he said yeah that's okay I'm okay actually Said, how would you feel if I came towards you with my hand, just slowly as if I'm about to touch your neck? And he said, Well, I think I'll be okay. So I started about six feet away with my hand open and outstretched. And I just slowly, slowly, slowly walked towards him. And quite calmly, he just sat there and allowed me to put my hand on his neck. So. Wow phobias so many phobias come from past lives flying phobias i've had people who have died in past lives in the in the wars where they've been shot down and although some people for flying phobia of course is about claustrophobia because they're trapped but lots of phobias come from uh, past lifetimes
0: so interesting shanna's daughter is uh she has a phobia a big phobia of spiders i also have a phobia of having my wrists touched or held and my neck and I think that has to do like I can't wear t-shirts that go like this they have to you know be open Beautiful. but I always have kind of correlated in my mind that's because of my asthma and very nah. interesting nah, 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 nah. no
2: no yeah. no 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 that's nothing <laughs> to do with your ass no 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 yeah. sorry <laughs> I
1: have a phobia too what's go yours Shanna um I
2: have a
1: fear of raccoons
2: of raccoons
1: Mm -hmm. and like literally there's it's disabling in some cases I've changed my life to go around having to have any kind of encounter you know if I go outside I have to make a lot of noise at night Um, I won't put myself I won't ever park next to a drain I won't move if I'm looking for a place to live I won't move anywhere near bush behind it you know I'm really trying to stay away from them
2: Again, <laughs> okay, do you remember what's caused that in the first place Shanna yeah
1: I mean from what I remember it was a situation when I was 15 I you know I pissed myself I was so scared and it was like yeah. crying to get in you know then from then on I was so afraid of them very
2: fun. Well, actually, it, with a phobia, there is a, an NLP technique which I use, which is called fast phobia. If you remember the cause of the phobia, you can sometimes clear it within minutes, just within minutes using this fast phobia technique. And if, you, so if you've remembered the cause there, then the chances are it could be, it could be cleared and neutralized within minutes. Wow. But there are, there are phobias for virtually everything. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are so many types of phobias. People feel embarrassed about phobias because some of them are very strange, but actually they're all the same. Uh, you know, the subconscious is saying this thing will hurt me or kill me, and therefore I'm going to be frightened of it. I mean, the, there's a phobia for having peanut butter stuck on the roof of your mouth. My little
1: girl has mesophonia. So she can't stand when people make noises with right, their mouth. Yeah,
2: she, okay. She yeah.
1: freaks out. And so it's yes. actually, I've had to do a lot of research on it to let her know she's not the only person to let her, you know, kind of relax about it. She wouldn't choose to be this way. And yes. so I've had a lot of conversations with her. This is also a kid that has recalled two past lives as well
2: before really? she
1: was alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, in detail. That's
2: That's special. Yeah, in detail. Very good.
1: Yeah, well, one first and last name, you know, and then the other one, she was just a baby. But, you know, but that was it. But, yeah, yeah, so if I could get through that with her, that would be amazing because we're all scared to eat around her.
2: (laughs) Okay. It's quite common, is misophonia. um, Really? Yeah, it is quite common. Um, Different sounds for some people. My eldest son, he absolutely hates the sound of cutlery being rattled. That really sets him off. So it's 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 actually quite a common. Really, therapy.
1: she does yeah. too. I've never heard of that in my life. She yes. has that. I've never heard of anyone else having that.
2: Okay, no, it really is quite common. Oh, so, that's amazing. Uh, give it? A, give us to see a therapist. Yeah, it can be fixed. That's so yeah, so phobias are always fascinating. Phobias are, and the I say that I estimate about an eighty percent success rate with phobias because the the regression, the NLP stuff an EFT as well, a tapping process. These all work very, very well. I always feel sorry we would just have to suffer with phobias because Mm -hmm. there are definitely ways to fix them.
0: You know, I did EMDR. This was mind-blowing to me, but I had two near-death experiences. The last one left me a coma for nine days on life support. Both were from asthma attacks. My mind doesn't panic when it rains but my muscle memory and my body and in my lungs can feel when a storm is coming or when it's going to rain. And right. then I will instantly feel it about an hour before the storm comes and I'll feel it in my joints and in my lungs. And it triggers me into a panic attack. It's very nice. interesting because it's yes. not my mind having a phobia of it. It's the memory and probably my yes. subconscious remembering it.
2: Very much so. Uh, And the body remembers. We hold memories in the body. Certainly asthma, there are different viewpoints on asthma, but one viewpoint is that it's caused by locked in grief. Um, And of course, Um, you know every physical problem has emotional causes that's our standpoint that's my standpoint I could I could bore you for hours on clients who have been to me with physical problems we've worked on the emotional causes they have got better eczema is caused by locked in anger um, etc etc even cancer has got emotional causes a couple of years ago and I'm not claiming for one minute to cure cancer I'm certainly not claiming this she came with lip cancer and cancer of the lip, which is an unusual cancer. And we found that there were two past lives causing the cancer. In one of them, she was a very flirty young teenage noblewoman, very flirty in her way, and she had a male servant. And this male servant got the wrong messages from her and one day tried to kiss her. Well, that was, you know, just you never did that as a servant with with a noblewoman. And she was horrified and batted him away, and he was terrified and sort of went and hid. He was ashamed of what he'd done. She didn't know what to do. She, if she told her father, she knew the father would punish the servant. So, But she told her sister. Her sister told the father, who then executed the servant. So she was horrified that she'd spoken out about something and somebody had died. So there's a connection to the lip. In the second past life, she was in Africa and she was raped as a young woman, but she couldn't tell anybody about the rape because she would have been cast out from the tribe and she would never married a man. It, was, it would have been viewed as her fault. So she had to repress, in this case, speaking her truth. So we released the energy of both of those past lives, and she she made some lifestyle changes, which is always important with cancer. And she also had some kinesiology, and she sent me a message about five months later saying, um, "Steve, I've just got back from the hospital. They've done all the tests. They cannot find a trace of cancer in my body." So. Every illness has emotional causes. I've had clients with, cam- with with asthma who have died in the First World War through being gassed. Um, I had a client who died in a in a in a past life in a mining village in the UK where every the, the air was just thick with coal dust um a couple of hundred years ago, hundred years ago, and she died in that life of, of asthma. So And Louise Hay, of course, most people have heard of the wonderful book, You Can Heal Your Life, which is is one of my Bibles nowadays as a therapist. When I first read it 25 years ago, I thought it was complete nonsense. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) the more I do, the more I realize Louise Hay has more or less got it, I think she's got about 85% right 85% 85% of the of the causes, the emotional causes of illness. So what do people do? We get brainwashed that you have to put a chemical in the body to fix a problem. Ah, work on the emotional causes. The body will often get better all by itself.
0: Wow. Isn't it so interesting how we have these books that we read like 10 to 15, 20 years ago? And then we pick them up again and they're like, oh my God, this yes. is the book I've ever read.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for me, it's the power of now by Eckhart Eckhart Toller. Again, I read that, I don't know, maybe five, ten years ago, and I thought, eh, yeah, it's okay, interesting and nice. Now it's just, I, I'm just rereading it again. What an extraordinary book. And it's helped me with my spiritual practice massively.
0: I'm reading one right now that is just life-changing, and Shanna actually said she had it from many years ago, but it's The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Oh,
2: again, I've just read it, yes, I've just read it as well. My, my spiritual practice is non-duality and it comes through sort of from Taoism and Zen. So The Untethered Soul just spoke to me in exactly the same way. It's a wonderful book. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: You know, I'm going to take you back for a moment. How, Steve, did you end up being a past life regressionist? And, you know, what did your childhood look like? What did your upbringing look like? And how did you end up doing this?
2: Yeah. I've always been affected by people's suffering. I'm not an empath, but I've always been touched by people's suffering. And I was sort of just a middle-class child, and I became a hotel manager and went into catering and then a director of a company, which went bust. And my father had been playing with hypnotherapy for a few years because he'd tried to stop smoking for years, and he couldn't stop. And he went to see a hypnotherapist who... Laid him in the chair, relaxed him, told him to let go of cigarette smoking. And my dad didn't want a cigarette anymore. And my dad couldn't get a handle on this. It didn't make sense. My dad's a scientist, he's a left brainer by profession. So he couldn't understand it. How would it work? I, I, I laid in the chair and this man talked to me as I was relaxing and I don't want cigarettes. I it doesn't compute with my left brain. <laughs> so he started to read about hypnotherapy and got so fascinated that he went and trained as a hypnotherapist and then started just to play with it privately from home, part-time, just as a hobby helping people. Um, and so when my the company that I was a director of went bust, he said, well, why don't you look at being a hypnotherapist? I thought, okay, better than working for a living maybe. Um, and so I trained and it was like coming home. You know, some people... And I'm not uh, blowing my trumpet here. Some people are natural therapists in the same way that some people are natural musicians and some people are natural sports people, etc. I'm just a natural therapist and it was just fitted me like a glove. Um, But in my early days, I was not doing regression. I was just doing standard therapy, taking clients into trance, using what we call post-hypnotic suggestion therapy, feeding the subconscious with positive suggestions to help them to change. And then one day, my professional life was blown to pieces. I had a young man came to me with a massive anxiety state. He was in his early 20s. He was sitting in front of me in my office, he was shaking, he was hyperventilating, he was stammering and stuttering, he was just a total, in English we say, a bag of nerves. And so I said, how long have you been like this for? And he said, well, I've always been a worrier, he said, even as a child I was a worrier, but he said it's got worse and worse, and the last few years, once the children came along, he said... It's just been like this day after day. He said, I can't work anymore. I've given my job up. I sit at home all day shaking. The medication the doctor's given me hasn't worked. In fact, it's made it worse, which is often the case. My wife tells me if if I don't get it sorted, she's going to divorce me. (laughs) That's great motivation, maybe for staying the same or getting better. I don't know. Um, So I said, okay, well, let's do some work on it. I guided him into trance and reclined him in my reclining chair And within minutes, he was going deeper into trance. His body softened, his breathing slowed down in just a beautiful state of relaxation. And I Mm. thought, great, this is good. I'm just going to do some post-hypnotic suggestion work here. And then suddenly, this is about 10 minutes in as he's laying in, in hypnosis in trance, his whole body started to shake, and he's shaking and shaking. The the chair was bouncing around, his arms around to the side. He starts to breathe, and then he started to half whisper and half shout. And in mind, he's got his eyes closed, he's in a deep trance, and he's saying, no, no, hide in here, quickly, hide. Hide the children. No, 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 hide them, hide them. Here, quietly, quiet, 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 quiet. And then he was quiet for a few seconds, and suddenly... He started to scream and writhe and scream at the top of his voice. No, 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 not the children. No, 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 no. And he just flopped in the chair, completely prone. I was pretty shocked, as you can imagine. Yeah. So I said, how do you feel? Oh, I feel wonderful, he said. I feel absolutely wonderful. I feel so calm. I've never felt like this in my life before. I feel absolutely relaxed. He said, that's amazing. I thought, well, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I said, what was happening? He said, it was weird. He said, it was like I was in another body in another time. I was a man and I had a wife and children and the Nazis were trying to find us and we were trying to hide from them and we hid. And then they came in and found us and they shot us all. He said, what was that about? (sighs) So I said, well... You've been in a past life. I mean, I knew about past lives. Obviously, most people do. And I've been practicing as a Buddhist for many years, so I knew about reincarnation. But I hadn't been trained as a past life therapist. So I said, but how do you feel now? He said, I feel wonderful. And do you know, ladies, his problem was cleared and cured in 10 minutes. And I sat there and thought, why don't I know about this? This is so important. Why on earth don't I know about this? So, I, I got some information from an American Past Life Association, started to develop working with it. And then, over the last 29 years, I've then developed my own system of working, which is a say I teach to therapists uh, around the world. And it's a system which diagnoses the problem, whereabouts it's coming from, takes the client in, releases the trauma, gets them better. And that spontaneous regression. Is something that doesn't happen very often, but it can happen when somebody goes into trance. And sometimes in some of the sessions, not many sessions, we see these big releases. But occasionally clients are screaming and writhing and choking and as they go through the traumas. And that has to be released. If we release that, they get better. And it does release once they start to experience it.
1: In my experience with my past lives, I have found that I have been putting together things for years in these one past life regression. You know what I mean? I have years of different things I'm connecting dots with, even still today. It's yes. amazing to me because I find these connections to this life or to other things like dreams okay, or to yes. these synchronicities or these knowings or maybe things that pop up during meditation, similar people like, hey, what are you doing here? I saw you in my regression. Who are you? You know, you're significant. I do find that a lot of the people that are in the regressions are your soul family and come in different people and different support systems throughout your life.
2: Yes, very much so. So there are these patterns that run from life to life very often, almost like a thread that goes from one life to another, to another. Um, And the patterns can be behavior patterns, can be things that just happen time after time until we get it in this life and we realize where it's coming from. We release the energy and then we've broken the pattern. We don't have to take that into the future in this life or future lives. And and as you say, the number of times people are around us time after time um, in different ways, because either they're learning from us in past lives or, or we're learning from them so um sometimes we're in a past life for somebody else really Uh, but other times they're there for us to learn from and to grow of course so that over many lives we become we we can let go of this need to keep getting reborn because it's a damn nuisance coming down here after time after time isn't it
0: (laughs) yeah i have a question um when someone has that kind of physical reaction um, happen during a regression, what does the post-regression look like for them? I mean, can it trigger more trauma when they get home? Can do you like give them questions to kind of help trigger um, like how to piece it together and make sense of it? Like, what does the post-regression look like?
2: That's a a good question, Mandy. There is a possibility, if this isn't done right, you can re-traumatize somebody. So the primary way in which we release the trauma is to go back through it over and over until there's no trauma left. And that isn't fun because if, if somebody's been through a horrible death and they finally die and go into spirit, they get a great sense of release and calmness, but then we go back through it again. And we keep doing that until there's no energy in it. Now, that's the secret to regression therapy. A lot of regression therapists or therapists who get into this, they get scared when the client goes into some big emotional reaction and they tend to pull them out. And that's the worst thing you can do because then the energy is still there. You have to go through it, release the energy, and make sure that by the time you finish, it's whereas it was 9 out of 10, in terms of its intensity, you bring it down to two or one or zero. And that means job is done. That trauma is released. They will not go away and feel worse for that. It will not bring anything else through.
1: Do you believe that we're brought back to these specific lives for a reason? Because I have seen that. I thought at first it was just fun. Oh, this is so cool. I get to figure out who I was in the past. But then I saw that they were very purposeful in my life. Both of them had a very important message to send me. And like I said, I'm still figuring out these things today, how they're all connected. You know, something along the soul evolution. Do you believe
2: that? Absolutely, Shanna. And, and, you know, I I go back to what I said at the start. The subconscious is awesome. It has this wisdom. It knows where we need to go. And generally, it's about releasing trauma. Sometimes it's about becoming and having an understanding of something. This isn't random stuff. We can even use past lives, where why I call them positive past lives, <clears throat> where we bring um, positive experiences and positive qualities that we need now in our life now. We can bring them from a past life. So if you need more confidence, because we've lived so many lifetimes and we've done everything and seen everything, we can go into a past life where you had confidence and strength, And you relive that and bring it into your life now, and it enhances your confidence now. So that's another way of using past lives. So it isn't random. You're quite right.
0: I love that. You know, I'm a little concerned about the United States when it comes to hypnotherapy. Um, I looked into it because I'm very intrigued by past life regressions. Um, I think there's 48 states that you no longer have to get licensed or get... You know, in the Dora system here, you can hmm. now just hop online, take a thirty you know minute course, and there you go. You got a certificate, and yeah. that kind of scares me.
2: Yeah, and, and and it is powerful deep therapy. Yes, this this prejudice against it. People say oh, it's past life regression. It's not real, and there may be some regressions where people go into. Past life, apparent past lives which are imaginary but for me the vast majority and actually you can tell an imaginary past life a mile off it's so different to a real past life experience there's it, it, it a different quality but this is deep stuff and you know for me when I'm training therapists to do past life regression I'm aiming to do this all the time is to get over the the depth of it, you know, it isn't some sort of woolly-minded new age belief system. We're not talking about something that's fluffy and nice here. This is deep therapy. I actually believe that this past life regression should be accredited as a traditional psychotherapy process. That won't happen because, of course, there is too much prejudice against it. But for me as a, as a therapist, I, I, I've spent my career trying to bring credibility to this subject. Yes, I can have fun and yes, I can share lots of stories. But the most important thing of my work is that my clients get better. That's my aim. And the aim of this is to keep them safe, to heal the problems and to make sure that they get through this safely. You're quite right, Mandy. You know, I I won't even write a book. I mean, I've written two books on regression uh, for general regression purposes on past lives. But I, I, I haven't written a book up for therapists on how to do past life regression because I don't just want somebody picking this up and thinking I can read a book and I can now be call myself a past life therapist. No, you know, I've trained in all sorts of things over the last 29 years as a therapist. But for me, regression and past life regression is the most powerful and deepest therapy that I know. And it needs to be done properly and well. The downside is, well, there's no way you can really please it, I'm sorry to say. What I often say, people, people often say to me, how do I find a regression therapist? Well, if you don't want to work with me online, then you've got to talk to some therapists in your area and find out who they are, get a sense of them you want somebody who who lives this who believes in it and who is experienced as a therapist and then you'll be kept safe I mean okay the chances of harming somebody with this is minimal it honestly is minimal but first do no harm and that should that's every doctors and it should be every therapist sort of standpoint yeah
1: that's so true I love this I feel like I have to ask you, you were in one of your episodes that I was listening to this morning and you were talking about um, how one person was talking about an alien who had some mind control over him in a regression. Mm -hmm. And I'm always very interested in that because I have dreams of another planet and of another being. And so, but I've never had a regression, but I have a feeling that it might be like a future life even. Have you ever had that before where someone's under and they're actually talking about the future and not the past? And can you tell us about your experiences with other beings and off planets?
2: OK. Have you got a couple of hours? Because <laughs> is a lot there. Uh, we do. Sometimes we do future lives. We can go into future lives, although I tend not to do much future life stuff because I don't feel it's as valid as the this life or the past life stuff, partly because I don't think you can really prove it. You know, it's in the future, it's whatever. I I did for a while, I used to run past life group workshops for the public, uh, where we'd get a group of people together on a Saturday afternoon, and we'd regress everybody together in the room into a past life, and then everybody would share what they got. I did a lot of those, and then I got a bit bored with them. So Uh, with a colleague, we changed it. We did a past and future life workshop. So we started with the past life regression. Then after a break, we took them 300 years and 500 years into the future. Now, generally speaking, I got depressed by it, ladies, because people were saying really horrible things about being in the future. You know, they're saying like 300 years in the future, you know, there's been massive wars and we're all living underground and you can't go outside because the radiation from the sun will kill you and there's no spirituality. And and it was awful. And I kept thinking, well, hang on. I thought we were starting, we were about to enter the age of Aquarius where it's all love and light and everybody connecting with each other. What's going on here? And so I stopped doing them. But I actually spoke to colleagues who were doing the same, hypnotherapy colleagues who were doing future-life workshops. They said, well, we don't know why that's happening to you, just because in our group workshops, people say it's wonderful 300 years in the future. It's all love and light, and we're passing flowers out to each other, and there's no walls anymore. <laughs> and I said, well... I don't get it. were you are. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, either am I just drawing miserable people to make us I'm a miserable beggar, okay. or are there different timelines for different people? Could it be yeah, that these all timelines are possible? So I, I, I'm not too sure. I'm, I mean, it, I find it interesting doing the future life stuff, but I'm not sure of its total validity from a therapy perspective. Going on to your question about extraterrestrial work, I've done quite a bit of work with clients who have been abducted by aliens. Well, I don't like the word aliens, I prefer ETs or extraterrestrials. They have been abducted by ETs. Um, I did some work once, I was on a Sky TV programme a few years ago, a documentary about people with missing time experiences. And basically the producer asked me to regress a lady who her and her family felt that had an et experience now this lady was i think about 35 40 years old uh, her and her mom who was about 60 and her two sons who were about 10 and 11 one day had gone for lunch together to a, a restaurant and they left the restaurant after lunch and were driving home when all of a sudden a UFO spaceship came right down by the side of the car. And as she was driving along the road, it was shining lights into the car. And they were all amazed by this. It was extraordinary. There's a UFO flying next to our car. They all had an incredible sense of euphoria and joy and happiness. And then the next thing, this spacecraft just shot off at the speed of light and disappeared. And they all felt incredibly sad, demoralized, because where's it gone? It was a wonderful feeling. Well, that's weird enough, but they arrived home to find that a journey which should have taken 20 minutes had taken an hour and 20 minutes. They'd lost an hour of their lives and they all felt something had happened, but they didn't know what. It was really troubling them. The lady's mom was very upset a lot of the time. The boys were getting nightmares and sleep disturbances and anxieties, and they couldn't make sense of it. So I regressed on camera, the mom of the two boys, and she then went back into the experience in real depth. What happened, what she remembered in the regression, they were driving along the car, the spacecraft came down alongside the car and then took the car up above the road. And it was either in the uh, spacecraft or took them out of the car in some way underneath the spacecraft. They were then in a dark area on the spacecraft. There were beings that they couldn't see. They were shielding themselves from my client and the family, but they were telepathically communicating with them. And she kept saying to them, she kept saying, oh, they're telling me it's going to be okay. They're just checking things out. And there were these orbs of lights, these lights that kept coming down around and shining, almost like doing x-rays of them, these lights shining down and checking them out. And, and she had this incredible feeling of euphoria. Of, and then suddenly she started to, she went very tense in the regression. She started to cry. And she said, no, 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 not the boys. They're going to do the boys. No, not the boys. Don't hurt the boys. And then she calmed again and she said, no, it's okay. They're telling me it's okay. They're not going to hurt the boys. All they're doing is checking things out. It really is Okay. So this went on for a little while. They were then put back in the car somehow. And the next thing she remembered is driving off along the road as the spacecraft shot off at the speed of light. So she was then able, as they were then able, to start to make sense of this experience and realise that it was real, that they weren't going mad, that this was a real experience. And for me, you know, people would say, oh, you're just being gullible, Burgess. You know, they were making it up. Why would they make it up? These were normal people. This was a normal working Great. class family. There was no benefit to coming out and saying, we've been abducted by aliens. None whatsoever. That was a real experience. So I've had, I've had several people over the years who, in regression, we've worked with extraterrestrial abduction experiences. One of them wasn't too pleasant. Like um, Gavin's
1: book. Have you read Gavin's
2: book? The Harvest? No, I haven't. No, Ooh. I haven't
1: so scary,
2: so is scary.
1: <laughs> but you know i think you would actually really like it because I, I mean this lady's story is just absolutely remarkable she should have a, a regression <laughs> although okay. maybe she yeah. doesn't want to go back there
2: <laughs> okay which which book is out of gavin's what's it called
1: the harvest
2: the harvest i'll oh, check it out thanks shanna yeah yeah
1: so good terrifying. yeah terrifying. terrifying don't read it at night <laughs> <laughs>
0: Again, I'm going to just reiterate what Shanna said. You're so good at, at speaking this and explaining it. And you can tell that you're the real deal. Like you, you've lived this half of your life. I've learned so much from you today that I've never even heard from other past life regressionists. So I really just want to say I appreciate you taking this time. So let's talk about your book. First of all, this book, you do it kind of in sections. You have, you know, emotional imbalances, a section, and then unusual cases, depression, uh, sexual issues, relationship issues, panic attacks, phobias, behavioral. I mean, you've got it all in there. What was your hope with this book? And just tell us a little bit about the process in writing this.
2: Yeah. Well, for many years as a professional therapist, I've stood up and shouted about the importance of past life regressions a therapeutic discipline. And I've been attacked many times because there's so much prejudice against it, even in the hypnotherapy profession. There are many hypnotherapists who won't give it time of day. So I put my head up above the parapet and I've been shot down many times, but <laughs> I just believe so passionately in this process, because I've seen so many incredible healings over the years, that it needs to be more well known. So that's the main reason why I wrote the book is to get past life regression more well known to a wider public. And away from the, as I say, this is not a new agey thing. This is a professional therapeutic discipline. And if people can accept that, then I've done my job. I just want people to see how powerful it is. Of course, it's also incredibly fascinating. I mean, can you imagine doing my job day after day? You know, yesterday I had a client who was a hawk in a past life, okay? The client in Canada, we occasionally get animal past lives, not very often. Also yesterday I had an American gentleman in Florida who was an English pilot in the Second World War. He got shot down, but he managed to get back to base and he survived. But then he was so traumatized by it, he went and got drunk in the airbase bar, jumped on his motorbike and died in a motorbike accident in the middle of the Second World War, which is a pretty weird thing. So I'm I'm hearing these incredible stories day after day. So the book also is about the client's stories because they are fascinating
0: and now it's time for break that shit down
2: so i want people to know that yes it's fascinating i'm so lucky to be doing this job um but it gets people better so for me it's about getting past life regression more well known that was my main aim for this
1: Wow. 29 years of experience. Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to get a regression from you and if they want to buy your book?
2: Okay. Uh, well, the book is The Power of Past Life Regression. So I have a Facebook page, The Power of Past Life Regression. My website is lionheart-training.com. And my main blog site is hypnoblogpod.wordpress.com. So that's got my a lot of my podcasts uh, on the hypnoblogpod.wordpress.com, um, but I always say to people, go on my free YouTube channel. It's called Hypno for All, H-Y-P-N-O, the number four A-L-L, Hypno for All. Twenty-one free hypnotherapy recordings for all sorts of things: anxiety, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, all sorts of things. Not regression, but just general uh, weight loss, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it means people can experience hypnotherapy from a professional therapist and hopefully enjoy it and get better. It's my way of giving back to the world, basically.
0: Well, and don't you also have like volumes of scripts on your page as well?
2: Yes, I do. And, and I, I've written a couple of script books for hypnotherapists. So those are online, Heart Dash Training. And of course, we recorded The Power of Past Life Regression as an audio book last year. So it's also available on Audible and Amazon and various places. The Power of Past Life Regression is an audio book now. And I had great fun recording it. My son has his own recording studio. So we got it to a really good high quality level. And it gave me a chance to sort of be a bit of a professional actor for a while.
0: <laughs> it have been so wonderful. Thank you so much for taking so much time today to speak to us. We I feel incredibly honored to have had this time with you and to you know shanna and i say it over and over and our listeners probably get sick of it but we truly feel like students Uh, we get to sit here and talk to such amazing people like you and learn from you so thank you
2: thank you so much mandy i appreciate your words it's very kind of you. it's been a real pleasure and privilege for me being with you as well so thank you thank you shanna thank you mandy
1: yes thank you it's such an honor to have you on i appreciate it very much
2: thank you lots of love to you ladies
1: know that sense of soul now has a patreon where you can get exclusive episodes mini series that mandy and i have been working on for a long time that we can't wait to share with you monthly readings sense of soul sacred circles workshops behind the scene clips and much more hop on sense of soul patreon right now and sign up